0: a good 4th of July. It is great to see you. I was out last week. It's, it's good to be back this week. Thanks to Brendan Saget, our middle school director, for preaching last week. I know he did a great job. I kind of read his script this week. Brendan a great job. And he started in on Ruth 1, and today we're going to do Ruth 3 again. I also want to say uh, a couple other things. Welcome to those of us, uh, those of you who are on live stream today. We're glad that you're joining us there. And finally, uh, Pastor Jerry, he and his family are getting back tonight, so they've been on kind of the second part of his sabbatical, which he couldn't take last summer because of the pandemic. They've been traveling in Germany, and they get home really late at night tonight. He said he'll be in the office tomorrow. We'll see. So how how late he gets home, we'll see. We are doing this new sermon series just for July and August. It's called Stars with Scars. And you're like, what does that mean? That means we're going to study some stars who are well-known characters of the Old Testament, like Ruth. I think Solomon is next. And we're calling them stars, but each of them has had challenges or scars in their life, maybe something that they did or something that happened to them. And we see kind of how they overcome Uh, the scars in their life. So as we said, today we're in Ruth for the second week. Last week in Ruth 1, it said, uh, Ruth said to Naomi, her mother-in-law, where you go, I will go, and your people will be my people. And today we're in Ruth 3. Let's read now Ruth 3, 1 through 13. One day, Ruth's mother-in-law, Naomi, said to her, my daughter, I must find a home for you where you will be well provided for. Now Boaz, with whose women you have worked, is a relative of hers, and tonight he will be winnowing barley on the threshing floor. Wash, put on perfume, and get dressed in your best clothes. Then go down to the threshing floor, but don't let him know you are there until he has finished eating and drinking. When he lies down, note the place where he is lying, and then go and uncover his feet and lie down. He will tell you what to do. "'I will do whatever you say,' Ruth answered. So she went down to the threshing floor, and she did everything her mother-in-law told her to do. When Boaz had finished eating and drinking and was in good spirits, he went over to lie down at the far end of the grain pile, and Ruth approached quietly, uncovered his feet, and lay down. In the middle of the night, something startled the man, and he turned, and there was a woman lying at his feet. "'Who are you?' he asked." "'I am your servant, Ruth,' she said. "'Spread the corner of your garment over me, "'since you are a guardian-redeemer of our family.' "'The Lord bless you, my daughter,' he replied. "'This kindness is greater than that which you showed earlier. "'You have not run after younger men, whether rich or poor. "'And now, my daughter, don't be afraid. "'I will do for you all you ask.' All the people of my town know that you are a woman of noble character, and although it is true that I am a guardian redeemer of our family, there is another who is more closely related than I. Stay here for the night, and in the morning, if he wants to do his duty as your guardian redeemer good, let him redeem you. But if he is not willing, as surely as the Lord lives, I will do it. Lie here until morning." Sisters and brothers in Christ, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And let us pray. Almighty God, on this Sunday, this Lord's Day, in this sanctuary, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts as we look at your scripture together be pleasing to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So Ruth is an Old Testament star in a sense. She's famous, and she has scars. Now, her scar is mainly one big scar, and if you were here last week, Brendan talked about that a little bit, and if not, I'll recount it just very briefly. So in a short period of time, uh, Ruth's husband died, her father-in-law died, and her sister-in-law's husband died. So the father and his two sons all died, leaving three widows. Now, her sister-in-law went back to her homeland, but Ruth decides to follow her mother, Naomi, uh, back to Judah and specifically to Bethlehem. So even when Boaz says this town, he's talking about Bethlehem. Now this was a time, certainly ancient times, you're thinking back to the time kind of, of the judges, so even before the kings, a long, long time ago, it was very difficult for single women or especially for widows to make it and survive in the world. And so to lose all three husbands in their family was a disaster. So Ruth has gone back to Judah, even though she is from Moab. She is a foreigner. She's from a foreign country uh, and married her husband. And she goes back with her mother-in-law, Naomi, to make sure she has a safe place to live, food to eat, and support it would be good for Ruth to get remarried. So that's where we pick up the story in Ruth chapter three. It's during harvest time. And Naomi, again, her mother-in-law, is smart and crafty. And she sees that Boaz is a good man and is a relative of theirs and might be an available husband. And so today we're going to be talking about that both Ruth and Boaz Have high character. They are people of character, and character pays off. So Boaz is listed as a guardian redeemer in this translation. It's also translated, you may know it, as a kinsman redeemer, which I like that translation. That's what I grew up with. Or I read another one this week, next of kin redeemer. So kinsman redeemer, guardian redeemer, next of kin redeemer. And it's kind of a funny name when you think about it, kinsman redeemer. Which got me thinking this week, what are some other funny names or job titles? So I, I picked out a few, just did a little quick, you know, Google research this week. And here's a few that are going to be on screen. The first one I heard about was uh, Bacon Critic. I really like that, you know, and I, I wonder if I could have that job. Be like, Because I don't know if there's much to criticize about bacon. I think it's really, it's really good. So I'm going to show you a, b- a bunch in a row here that, that are kind of more in the business world. Wizard of Lightbulb Moments would be a these are actual job titles for companies that I found on the internet. Wizard of Lightbulb Moments is marketing director, chief chatter, call center manager. I'm not sure you want to be a call center manager, but you could be the chief chatter. You could be a counselor, it was a problem wrangler. I'm not sure that's exactly what a counselor is, but you know, hey. Master handshaker, sales rep. I know if you're in sales, it's more than just shaking hands, that right. Interwebs mechanic, webmaster. And uh, Master of Coins, CFO. What do you want me to do with that, sir? Move it out a little bit? Is that why it's echoey a little bit? A little scratchy. There we go. Is that better? Okay. All right. And they're giving me signs from the back. And then finally, here at ZPC, Deacons of Fun. So, hey, we have that, that title there as well. Um, and this is really for deacons for fellowship at ZPC who provide fellowship events. So Boaz is a kinsman redeemer. Again, kind of a funny biblical title, but what does this mean? One commentator I read this week says, the kinsman redeemer is a goel, which is the Hebrew word, a goel, who was responsible to safeguard the person, the property, and the posterity of the family. The person, the property, and the posterity of the family. Boaz was her goel, her kinsman redeemer. And she had the right to expect him to marry her and raise up a family to perpetuate the name of Elimelech, who was her father-in-law. So for Naomi's husband, had property back in the Bethlehem area. And if she remarries, then the property will stay in the family. So back to the story, Naomi had told Ruth See, there's this guy out there, Boaz, you've been working in his fields or helping in his fields. I want you tonight to clean up. She actually says, clean up, put on perfume, get dressed nicely. And after he's fallen asleep on the threshing floor where he would go to protect the grain that they've harvested, lie down at his feet, he will tell you what to do. And in that day, again, in this ancient day, it's not our day, it's an ancient day, it was very different than ours. This was understood to be the role of a servant, to lay at their master's feet and be ready for the command of the master. So when Naomi told Ruth to lie down at Boaz's feet, she told her to come in a very humble way as a servant. And Naomi wisely counseled Ruth to do this, trusting in the goodness of the kinsman redeemer, hoping and trusting that Boaz would be a good man and be the kinsman redeemer. Ruth had character. She followed what Naomi said, and character pays off. Now, had Boaz, if you think about it, this, it's at night. She goes down. She lies at the feet. It's in the dark at the, at the feet of a man that she doesn't know very well. And had Boaz not been an honorable man, this could have been a dangerous situation for Ruth. But in God's plan, Boaz treats her with respect. Ruth trusts in Boaz's goodness and Boaz trusts, as we see in the conversation, that Ruth's intentions are good. Both have character, both have high character, and character pays off. So Ruth, in a sense, in this, these kind of biblical terms, belongs to Boaz. He is her next of kin, one of her next in kin, and he can redeem her, in a sense for us. We belong to Jesus, God's family. We are God's children, saved by God into his family. And God chooses to redeem us. In a sense, by Jesus' death on the cross, he buys us back from our lives, and then he gives us new life in him. He redeems us. Boaz is a redeemer, as Jesus is a redeemer for us. So what does it mean, though, to be redeemed? And there's an old story of redemption. I know I've told this story before. I know other uh, youth leaders and pastors over the years have told this story. But I think it's a great little vignette which tells us about what is redemption. So here is this story. Once upon a time, there was a boy who built a model sailboat and he went down to the water, to the river, and he excitedly placed the boat into the open water. This was close to where he lived. He gave it a gentle push, and it took off, and the wind caught the sails. The boat went through the water much easier than expected, and then suddenly, the boy realized what was happening. The sailboat just kept going. It was made so well. The boy quickly waded into the water after it with the hope of catching up to it, but it had gone too far. Very quickly, the boat faded into the distance and disappeared. Sometime later, the boy was walking downtown in the town where he lived, past a second-hand store, and he saw the sailboat in the window. He runs into the store, and he picks up the boat, and he said, this boat is mine. And he holds it in his arms, and he begins to walk out the store. But the owner, of course, says, now, wait a minute. That's my boat. Someone brought it in and I paid for it. And if you want that boat, you're gonna have to pay for it. And the boy says, no, no, it's my boat. I can show you the initials, my initials that I carved into the bottom of the boat. And the owner says, no, no, you're still gonna have to pay for it. So the boy didn't have money with him. He went back home and saw what odd jobs he could do around the house in order to earn enough money to purchase back this little model sailboat. He saved his money and the boy went back to the store and he bought back his boat. And as he left the store, the boy could be heard saying, you're my boat. First, you're my boat because I made you. And second, you're my boat because I bought you. You're twice mine. So the boat was created, the boat was lost, then found, then bought back. And by being bought back, it was redeemed. Ruth, for a very short time, had a good life with her husband, and then disaster struck with three husbands dying, the husband certainly of her, of her mother-in-law and of her sister-in-law and her husband, and then Boaz redeems her, or he will very soon in the story, and she and, uh, he and, she and Naomi, Ruth and Naomi, have hope again for a good life. They have been redeemed. And as I look more at this story and read more about Ruth and Boaz, and I'll stop here for a second. If you want to read this story, uh, we're going to move on, to, I think, to Solomon next week. But the story of Ruth, I believe, is four chapters. They're short chapters. You could actually read the whole book in a few minutes. It's a great story, and it all works together as one story. But as I read it this week, I saw that they are really people of high character. You know, They could have made some other choices in the story, but they didn't. They both have integrity. They show kindness. They talk about that. They have good intentions and character pays off. Boaz is a man of character. First, he had allowed Ruth to come glean in the field. This means that she would go around the outside of the field where there had been harvest and she could pick up the remains of the wheat. So she was poor, she and and Naomi, and they they could pick up the remaining wheat in the field. Then, he had noticed her, and so he had given her extra food to take home. He asked about her, and he told her later that he heard of her kindness to her mother-in-law. And her kindness was that even though she was from Moab, she decided to stay with her mother-in-law when she was told she could go back home to where she was from. But she chose to stay with her mother-in-law in tough times. He says that she was younger. He implies that she was much younger than him. But he doesn't, he doesn't go after her romantically. Uh, he, in, fact, in fact, he praises her character. Boaz called Ruth in Hebrew a hayyil woman, hayyil. And the basic meaning of this Hebrew word is moral strength, good quality, integrity, and virtue. Ruth has high character. Boaz has high character. And character pays off. Boaz even says of her in verse 11 of chapter 3, all the people of my town know that you are a virtuous woman or a woman of noble character, it says in a tran- another translation. And Boaz was attracted to Ruth, he says, because of her character. Some have said that there are romantic implications, maybe even more going on here in this story as she shows up during the night to sleep as at her, his feet and yet he treats her with respect he calls her daughter probably being that she is younger and he says you could have gone after a younger or richer men and he affirms her and even says don't be afraid and he says that in the morning he will try to redeem her she says when he wakes up he says who are you Ruth says, um, I am Ruth, spread your garment over me. And when she says that, she's being pretty bold because basically she's saying, I want you to marry me. And so this was a Jewish way of saying that. I read one writer this week, he said, even now when a Jewish man marries a woman, he throws the skirt, or says the end of his talith, the end of his garment, he would throw it over his wife to signify that out of, out of good character and out of kindness, he has taken her under his protection by putting her under his talith. In Ezekiel sixteen eight, God uses the same terminology in relation to Israel. Again, this is God speaking to the nation of Israel. I spread my wing over you and I cover you. Yes, I swore an oath to you and entered into a covenant with you and you became mine says the Lord God. It sounds like the boy in the boat. You are mine. God says, I spread my garment over you and you became mine. And even back in chapter two, in Ruth two, Boaz had said to Ruth, may you be rewarded by the Lord under whose wings you have come to take refuge, foreshadowing what would happen in chapter three. So this story really it ends really well. It's, it's really, it's, it's almost like a little bit of fairy tale that starts with disaster and ends in goodness. But we know, if you live in the world long enough, that not all stories that begin with misery end in joy. And even when they do, the joy does not always cancel out the grief, at least not completely. And of course, life doesn't work out always as it should or as it did in the book of Ruth. It's sort of a clean, God-blessed sort of way. But in this story today, at least it does here. But the story of Ruth does not mean that your life or my life will be easy and that everything will be made right because we know that it won't. Life is not like that. But when we act with integrity, Kindness. We listen to good advice, as Ruth did. When we make good decisions based on caring for others, as Ruth did, as Boaz did, often we are blessed by those decisions. One of Ruth's first decisions we read about last week in Ruth one is she chose to stay with her mother-in-law, who was a widow, and it even said that Naomi was bitter. She said her about herself. She was bitter at this incredible loss that had happened. And Ruth said, "Where you go, I will go. Your people will be my people." And at that time, they didn't know what was going to happen. Basically, they were destitute and alone. And they're probably traveling back, probably very harsh land to get back to the town of Bethlehem where Naomi's from. And yet what Ruth speaks comes to be truth because now through Boaz, literally Naomi's people become her people. Brendan Saget, when he preached last week on Ruth 1, he reminded us of of this, that your people will be my people. And he said that this includes the church. The church family can be your family. The church people can be your people. We are called in the church to be like family, to care for each other. It is part of who we are as the church And we are called as the church then to go out and care for those in the world that are within our reach. Maybe it's through our resources that we send out to help others, or maybe it's literally by going out with our hands and feet to help others. I've been helped by the church a lot in my life, being part of the church. I want to tell you a story from 20 years ago about how my family was reached out to, and the church family was really my family. So most of you who know me know that my wife, Claire, and I have four kids, and they're all close in age. And it's been great for most of the time because they get along pretty well and and because they're close in age, except with those sibling rivalries, you know, which always, everybody has that. But when the twins were born, we had twins last, when they were first born, it was crazy. So all of our kids have spring birthdays. So we had a, a boy who had just turned four, a girl that just turned two, and then we had two babies. And like all new parents, we were sleep deprived, we were exhausted, we were in need of help, and someone said, if people offer to help, don't say no, say yes, and we did. Now, of course, our families helped us during that time, especially that spring and summer, but we also had the help of the church. And after the twins were born in April, several high school and college girls from our youth ministry here at ZPC babysat for us, often, that summer, that spring and summer and fall, Some we were able to pay, and some just said, hey, we'll come by your house, we'll hang out for a while, and they just volunteered their time, and they would just show up. Some of the girls even offered when they saw how busy it was, they said, you know, if you don't mind, I'll spend the night, and I'll help you do one of the night shifts to get up and hold a bottle for the twins. Isn't that amazing? They would offer to do that for free. Amazing. In May, after the boys were born in, June, in April, excuse me, in May, after the boor, boys were born in April, the Youth enquires group here from ZPC and their leaders were, said they were coming to our house on a Saturday. I wasn't sure what all they were gonna do, but a matter of two to three hours, they pulled all the weeds out of our garden. I think there were probably a lot at that time. They mulched all of our, our flower beds. They cleaned up, they mowed our, our yard, cleaned up the outside of our house. They planted flowers. They even brought food basically made the outside of our house look great. And I remember it was just an incredible gift from the church family that we didn't ask for. And I share that story because sometimes I think when we, when we read about someone like Boaz, who's a kinsman redeemer, who, who marries this woman that he doesn't know very well, which happens in chapter four, and he takes on uh, the mother-in-law, and he he actually takes on their property as well. So it's it's a it's a big job that he's taking on here. I think for us sometimes we think, well, I can't do that. I'm not called to do it in a situation like that. This is a biblical situation, but we can find ways, as our church family did 20 years ago with us, help us in our time of need. You might think, you know, I may be kin to someone, and I can't redeem them. But we can all play a part in the church family. We can all bring redemption in small ways to those in need, whether it's people like Naomi, who's a widow, whether it's Ruth, who's a younger widow, or it's people like us who had four little kids. When we are in need, when we feel widowed or are widowed, when we feel alone, when we're overwhelmed by life, Or like Naomi and Ruth, we have to go back to some place where we were before to get help. The church should be there too. That is part of our calling, to be there for each other in our time of need. And God shelters us under his wing through each other. Jesus is our ultimate redeemer. And God is God the Father, a loving and gracious and merciful Father. Jesus is the one who spent three years with his disciples, and near the end, he no longer called them his disciples, but called them his friends. They didn't need to lie down by his feet. Instead, he washed their feet. And he said in the Gospel of John, what greater love than this, than a person lay down his life for his friends. We have a kinsman redeemer. It is Jesus, one who redeems us who buys us back, who gives life so that we can have life through him. We get second chances through Jesus' forgiveness and grace. So what can we do with that? We too, I think, can be people of high character as Ruth and Boaz show themselves to be. So this week, you might think of how you might be like Ruth, living with character, choosing to go with her mother-in-law in a time of need instead of taking care of herself first, to go with that person, to go with that person who is hurting, to go and be with them in their time of need. Think of how you might be like Boaz, a kinsman redeemer, seeing the goodness as he did in Ruth, seeing the goodness in the other person around you, noticing them, affirming them, talking to them, offering of your resources, and being willing to redeem them in some way through your own gifts or through your own abilities. How might we do that for our own families or our church families? We can come to church where we build relationships, we get to know people, and when we get to know people, we find there are opportunities to help each other, and that's a good thing. We can find ways to redeem each other in in listening and watching for other people's needs and going the extra mile, caring for someone who is older, caring for a child, helping someone in need who needs to feel like family. Ruth helped Naomi overcome the bitterness of losing her husband with her kindness. And Naomi helped Ruth to find Boaz, who saved their family. Boaz, who had resources to help, found a way to care for an older widow and a younger widow and then in Ruth 4 to finish the story out if you want to read this it's great they are rewarded Ruth and Boaz have a son whose name is Obed who is David's grandfather and so Ruth and Boaz helped to begin the line of David which leads us to Jesus our ultimate redeemer and savior Ruth had the scars of being a widow who stayed with her mother-in-law, moved to a foreign country, and became a star known for her loyalty, her character, her kindness, and eventually even her family name. Let us pray. Most loving God, we give you thanks for this story today, this Old Testament story that happened probably more than 3,000 years ago. But it's a great story of love and of character. And so God, we can learn from it today. God, how might we help those in need around us? God, we probably don't feel worthy to be redeemers, as it were, as Boaz was. But God, you call us together as a church family to help each other and to be your people. Help us to do that even today and even this week. In Christ's name we pray, amen.